Welcome to the Air It Out podcast presented by Inside the Hatches. My name is Juan Guerin. I'm joined by two pretty knowledgeable people right here. I got Chris Thomas and Avery Collins joining me. What's up, guys? What's going on? And then behind the proverbial glass, we got the CEO of Inside the Hashes, Mr. Jerome Jones producing. Say hi to the audience, bro. What's up, guys? Uh, so before like we dive into where, where we start, I just want to say, like, you know, I'm very blessed uh, that you guys gave me this opportunity to join you guys on this podcast. I'm very excited uh, to just hear just ranting about NFL, AFF, just general football stuff. And I really, and I really appreciate the opportunity, guys. The pleasure of having you, man. Thanks. Thanks, dude. Um, so, first topic we're going to be jumping into today. Breaking news that happened earlier this morning. Former franchise quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, Joe Flacco, was traded to the Denver Broncos on principle for what is conceived to be a mid-round pick. Now, this trade signifies that the Ravens are fully committed to Lamar Jackson as their quarterback of the future, while the Broncos are murking the water in that very position. I mean, guys, your thoughts. Chris, what do you think? First off, I thought it was really smart for Baltimore to get some kind of compensation for them. They already made it clear that Lamar Jackson is going to be the kid going, um, the quarterback going forward. 22 years old, has the ability to make electrifying plays with his legs. Um, his arm, in terms of passing-wise, is still a work in progress, but nothing that he can't improve on and work with. And Denver, it's just another typical John L.A. offseason as he gets another old retreat quarterback from some other team to patchwork um, their offense for next season. And now you have Joe Flacco and Case Keenum for close to around 40 to $50 million invested in that quarterback position. They're trying to trade Case Keenum now, but I doubt they'll find a legitimate trade partner for him. But I think it was a good move by... I think it was a good move by Baltimore trying to get any sort of compensation for him rather than Flacco just leaving for nothing. And for Denver, I'll give a little bit credit when credit is due. They're one to run more under the center plays. Flacco as is probably the best quarterback under center because he's probably the only quarterback who runs a lot of plays under the center. Big Fangio is going to do wonder for that defense like he did in San Fran with Jim Harbaugh, with Patrick Wilson, Navarro Bowman like he did uh, for the past two years over in Chicago with Khalil Mack, Keem Hicks, Sharif Floyd. I could just name the whole starting lemon for the Chicago Bears. They're all, all pros and pro bowlers this year. But with Flacco, you get a veteran hand, a Super Bowl-winning caliber quarterback, marginally better than Case Keenum. He has the arm strength to throw in those high-altitude conditions and mile-high. Um, the only thing now is that you got to find some find some wide receivers to throw to because Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent, and all he had really is Corbin Sutton. He will have a running game in Philip Lindsay, who had a Pro Bowl year as an undrafted running back, and their offensive line is still a work in progress. So if this offseason is going to be committed to them finding pieces to complete that offense, then the Broncos were not really that far out from a playoff spot, even from a wild card. If you can find Flacco something to work with, then this could work. Flacco was on pace to have a bounce back year. Unfortunately, he got injured, and in the NFL, you do lose your job to injury, uh, contrary to popular belief, and he lost to Lamar Jackson. So all hope is not lost for Flacco. All right. Avery, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I agree that this is obviously, you know, signification that, um, you know, it's Lamar Jackson's time. I think that they are 
I think Baltimore is all in on him. Um, I was kind of skeptical just, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, because he does have so much more still to learn as far as the passing game that you would kind of want a quarterback there to kind of teach him. But, you know, you can't have a quarterback of that caliber and that type of contract on, a, on, on your team just to be a backup and just to be a teacher. So it makes sense to, you know, go ahead and move the guy. Um, as well as the fact that I think it's beneficial for Joe Flacco because I do believe that he can still play in the league. Um, I also feel that, um, you know, he, as, as Chris stated, he was kind of scheduled to have a bounce back season. I think that a fresh start could, could help in that regard. And then, you know, as far as as far as the Broncos go, like Chris said, I think, you know, Vic Sanjo, that, that signing at head coach was a, a, a great one to me. A defensive-minded coach. Um, we saw what he got out of Khalil Mack. Um, so I can only imagine what he's going to get out of Von Miller and, uh, and Bradley Chubb. Um, I would love to see how that plays out. I think, you know, uh, Philip Blizzard is going to have another good season. Um, I think that, you know, to Chris's point, the really the only things that you kind of got to worry about now is getting him some weapons um, and getting him some protection, um, which I think is possible to do. So, uh, I think the Broncos um, do make a push for the playoffs next year, um, and I think that it, 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 I think it's a win-win for both sides. So now imagine both of you guys that you are the Broncos general manager. You just traded for Joe Flacco, got rid of a fifth-round pick, and about in just a short amount of time, you have the tenth overall pick in the draft right now. And this is a draft that's been slated to be full of the meat and potatoes kind of guys. Offensive, defensive linemen are the stars in this draft. Tell me if you are the Broncos GM. Who are you taking with a tenth overall pick? Another quarterback to try to help grow behind Joe Flacco or someone to build around him? I think I'm going to go with uh, offensive linemen. Like, I think that, that, like I said, I think I think they do have enough pieces on defense to to do what they got to do to stay in games, right? You got two premier pass rushers in the, in the NFL, you know, one of the greatest of our generation currently in Von Miller. I think that their secondary isn't as as bad as people think, you know, I think people really thought that the secondary was going to be really bad with acute to leave leaving. Um, but it wasn't actually that bad this year. It's, you know, it could be a situation where it was masked by the fact that you had Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, you know, applying pressure. But I, I don't think that the defense is the necessary uh, pick at that spot. I think offensive line definitely is um, because, you know, you can get receivers later in this draft and later rounds. Um, and possibly even uh, through free agency. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought back Marius Thomas. We just see that the Houston Texans released him, and, you know, I don't think he ever wanted to leave Denver in the first place. I don't think they really wanted to part ways with him. I think it was a situation with contract. Now that, you know, they wouldn't have to pay him that much money, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him back. All right, what about you, Chris? If I'm Denver, I would honestly trade back. Um, I would get on the phone with John Gruden. He has three first-round picks there. And I would just backload in the draft. It's heavily defensively. So, obviously, if you're Vic Fangio, you want to add a little more pieces into that front seven to help out with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. And also, and also get maybe if you don't get like both those first-round picks, also get like another second or a third. Also, try to get some, some wide receiver help. Um, you, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be a free agent and really the only potential wide receiver that you could have that could, that you could potentially rely on is Cortland Sutton. They don't have a lot of cash space. 
to work with as is, and they've already traded for Joe Flacco. So you're going to have to do a lot of your a lot of your work in scouting and in the draft. I think I think trading back into the draft, getting a, one more defensive piece and a, a potential wide receiver in uh, round two or three, and just building around through the draft, I think is the best way to go. Right, Avery, real quick. Real quick, I just think um, I'm not actually mad at that assessment. The only concern, I, so my thing is, you know, because you, you brought up a great point about them not having too much cap space, but I think what relieves some of that cap space is getting rid of, uh, of a guy like Case Keenum. Um, I think trading him away for some picks, like and then, like you said, um, you can you can trade him away for like a third and a fourth rounder or something like that, and then backload uh, picks as you stated. But at the same time. I think it's a situation where, like I said, we, we're seeing that right now the, the meat of this draft is offensive and defensive line. So why not get the best available offensive linemen since we know that that's something that we got to build around anyway? You know, I, I, that's, that's personally what I would do because just, just knowing Joe Flacco's playing type, he's not a, a mobile guy. You know, he's getting older, so you got to protect him. This is all obviously speculative because we don't know if they're invested for Joe Flacco for the future. But if they are and they want to build around them, then you definitely need to protect them. Case Keenum set to make $7 million within 2019. And something Chris brought up earlier when he was talking about uh, the talented wide receiver really is a great transition to our next point of the conversation, which is the talk of Antonio Brown. Um, reports came out that AB launched a tweet that was basically a goodbye to Steelers fans with a little music video of him being all... Uh, successful and making all these plays with a bunch of music, a lot of talk. I see Chris with the hand gestures. There's like a <laughs> lot of talk from AB's side. Um, I guess I got to start, you guys. Well, we all know AB will not be with the Steelers in 2019, it seems. If he doesn't want to be there, they probably pull a Le'Veon Bell by like not showing up in general. Maybe, maybe not. So I guess what I want to ask you guys is should the, should the Steelers pull off a trade in the offseason with Antonio Brown? Where will he go? Every we'll start with you. Well, I mean, I think they definitely should um, <laughs> trade him. I mean, he doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, you know, and I don't think they want him there anymore, right? Like, I think they want his talent there. Um, I think they want his locker room presence in in the sense of, um, you know, he was a an energy guy and different things like that. He was passionate. But all the rest of the stuff, they could deal without, right? And I think they get that stuff. And Juju Schuster, I think he is an energy guy. He's somebody that, you know, his teammates love to ball with. He's somebody who's about the team and about the organization. Um, and he's a really good receiver on top of that. I don't think he's, you know, of the caliber, per se, of an Antonio Brown, uh, who's one of the, you know, top three receivers in the league. But I think that, like I said, the Steelers kind of want to be done with the situation. And I think Antonio Brown wants to be done with the situation. A couple landing spots that come off the top of my head. The issue is one, obviously, his contract, right? You know, it's set to make a, a little more than thirty-five mil over the next three years. Uh, about twenty-one with two point five million in uh, roster bonus. Right. So, I mean, it's it's something that you know you got to obviously take into account, and then as well as his age. I think his age also is a is a factor. He is a you know thirty plus year old receiver. He still has a lot left in the tank. Don't get me wrong, but you know it's not like you're going to give him you know an extremely long contract. So with that being said, um, a couple teams that you know obviously come to mind. One one of the teams he wants to go to is obviously San Francisco. So I could I could definitely see that happening. Kyle Shanahan um, is a great offensive mind. 
you know, getting Jimmy Garoppolo back. Um, you know, they keep Marquise Goodwin. So now you've got speed all over the field. Um, so I could see it possibly happening. I could see that possibly happening. Another one that I could see possibly happening is the Seahawks. You know, if he, if he goes to the Seahawks and pairs up with somebody like Doug Baldwin, you know, Russell Wilson and his ability to extend plays, the fact that other than Doug Baldwin, you don't really know who's going to emerge as the as the guy um, to help him out. You know, they, they get splashes from, from Tyler Lockett and different things like that, but nobody's really consistently showing that they're going to be that number two guy or even – or whatever. Obviously, Antonio Brown would probably end up being the number one guy there, but I could see the Seahawks ending the last team. I could see Antonio Brown landing at is Jacksonville. Um, I think that if it's another team where there's not really a marquee guy, like a number one that you're saying, this guy, we got to cover every single play. And I, I could see it happening. And then just a sleeper just throwing out the Browns if you have the cap space. And him and Jarvis Landry are boys, so why not? So we'll, we'll talk about the Browns specifically in that situation in a minute. With Chris, I want to know what his options are. What do you got, Chris? I said on Twitter that Jacksonville was a really good landing spot for him simply because they have a top 10 pick. They are interested in getting a first-round competition back for him. And if you're Jacksonville, it's a kind of simple offseason, in my honest opinion, if you're Tom Coughlin. You get Nick Foles, you trade for Antonio Brown, and next thing you know, you're back to being a Super Bowl contender. That defense that Jacksonville has is a Super Bowl caliber defense. All you need to do is get the offense to compensate for it. And when you bring in a steady hand like Nick Foles and you bring in a guy like Antonio Brown to alleviate pressure for guys like Dee Westbrook, Keelan Cole, DJ Shark, and uh, Leonard Fournette, it magnifies everything you want to do better offensively and allows you to compete with the Colts and with the Texans in the AFC South. Um, Avery brought up a good one. He really wants to go to San Fran. I I like that pairing. Jimmy Garoppolo's coming back. Uh, Marquise Goodwin gets to move uh, to the number two. And like I said, adding a guy who you can give him over 100 targets, he's going to catch 100 of them because the catch rate is just absolutely ridiculous. And then those 12 sets with him, Gary Selleck, uh, George Kittle, who had a breakout year, that's it's a match made in heaven. Uh uh, really, but the two teams that I really had in mind were our two teams that have multiple first-round picks in this draft. One, uh, Oakland. I, I think John. I think John Gruden would be willing to would relish in the fact that getting a top-tier wide receiver like like an Antonio Brown under contract for the next several years with Derek Carr, and they still have enough draft capital to continue to build his team in this draft in particular on the defensive side. And another one is another one is the Green Bay Packers. They got another first round pick from uh Saint from uh, New Orleans last year when they traded up to get Marcus Davenport. Aaron Rodgers gets a legitimate I'm not gonna say he gets another reliable option to also go with Devontae Adams. Uh, Randall Cobb legitimately gets to move back into the slot. They still have a bunch of younger wide receivers in dosage that be able to come into the fray and Hopefully, Jimmy Graham can stop being soft and actually contribute as well. Now, just to like round out the whole subject in general, both of you brought up brought up quite a few teams, quite a few interesting teams of where AB could go. Specifically, ones that caught my attention, Green Bay and the Browns. And the reason those two caught my attention is because both of those teams are drama centers at this moment. Aaron Rodgers having been exposed as a diva quarterback and Jarvis Landry being an explosive personality that's always 
that will demand targets just as AB did in in the Steelers. Um, well, what I ask you guys is, do you feel like these type of teams can handle drama? Before I answer that question, Jerome, yes, I'm saying. Oh, it was just reported that um, the Steelers have not granted uh, Antonio Brown the trade request yet. Oh, so they haven't, like, officially said that? They haven't word. officially said that he can be traded yet, yes. Okay. Well, nice. so um, then it's all speculative, which... Right. It, it can be, but at the same time, I don't know if the Steelers will want to deal with this type of headache. What do you guys think? Uh, Avery? You know, obviously you brought up the question as to whether or not these teams can deal with that type of quote-unquote headache if Antonio Brown isn't, you know, on board and, and continues his diva act. To me personally, I don't think that the Green Bay Packers can. That's just my personal opinion. That's why I kind of didn't throw them in there because to Chris's point, they do have, you know, the extra first-round pick. Um, and it would be a, an excellent pairing. You got Aaron Rodgers, Antonio Brown, Devontae Adams, Kim Grant. So it will be phenomenal to see offensively. However, I just and don't... not to mention Matt Lafleur, who is a Sean McVay protege. So all those guys in the Sean McVay style offense, it'd be really cool to see. But my my issue is if you can't if you can't control your quarterback, what makes you think you're going to be able to control a receiver uh-huh. and somebody who's arguably, like I said, I mean one of the best at his position with the quarterback is arguably one of the best at his position. I don't think that to me, it's just not a good fit as far as mentality and morale in the locker room. Like, like I said, if they all can decide to put their egos aside and they can play together. Well, I mean, obviously you know what they say, winning cures everything, but it's saying there's no guarantee that they're going to win because defensively they still need some work. Um, offensive line still needs some work. Uh, running game still needs some work. So it's so many other areas that I think that they need help with that I, I would, me personally, I don't I, I don't think that the fit would be great. And then as far as Cleveland, Cleveland, I believe, would be an excellent fit. I don't think that is the situation where Jarvis Landry, because, again, I think they're, they're, they're homies, they're boys, right? I right. think it's a situation where it would be like a Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco when they were playing in, um, in Cincinnati. Everybody thought they were going to blow up because they were two big personalities. They played phenomenal together, but T.O. basically having a way better season than Ocho Cinco did. And Ocho Cinco, it was basically his team, and they played extremely well together. So I could see the two of them, because they have that relationship as homies, playing extremely well together. I think the the culture that they are creating in Cleveland is also beneficial. Um, I think it's a situation where, um, you know, you know they, 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 they know what – what's happening right now. They know they have a window right now. They know that the, their division is in uh, a, a turning point and they have an opportunity to, you know, take grass and take hold. So, But you're also talking about the Steelers potentially trading within their division. So you're going to have to deal with Antonio Brown with that chip on his shoulder for twice a year, going back to Highsville and going back to the dog pound, trying to t- terrorize their defense. I think that's the ultimate card in the world that you never do as a general manager, despite probably getting the right sort of compensation for them. So I don't think them trading within the division or trading them within the conference, that's why, or a team that's not potentially a threat. That's why I said like Oakland is probably a better fit for them is because Oakland is way, is well far off from me. My opinion, even a playoff contender, let alone a Super Bowl contender, they have enough first round ammo. They have a, a late first round pick to, like, give up for compensation for him. So it's like, okay, 
We got ourselves an elite wide receiver, and it didn't hurt us that much, and we still well, have enough capital. That's the thing. That wasn't the question. The question was whether or not it would be a good fit. Like it was. The question was whether or not they would be able to handle having that type of personality along with somebody like a Jarvis Landry or along with somebody like an Aaron Rodgers who's um, acting diva-ish as well. And I think, like I said, okay. in that regard, yeah, obviously you wouldn't you wouldn't want to you know trade into the division, obviously. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, you know, general managers, coaches, players, they get cocky. They're like, you know what, we'll trade them in the division and we'll shut them down because we know all his tricks and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, I don't think okay. that's going to happen because Antonio Brown is that good. But, you know, I'm just saying. I just think that with the situation with Antonio Brown, I think it just all comes back to Ben Roethlisberger. I really haven't heard really this much issues with Antonio Brown for several years, ever since the reports that he says, like, I support Le'Veon Bell's decision to sit out for the rest of the season until the Steelers pay him for what he's worth. And now all of a sudden, these issues with Antonio Brown, him getting in trouble, the the issue with him having that uh, domestic dispute, all of a sudden this comes out. And I just think it's kind of odd that Ben Roethlisberger two years ago was potentially mulling over retirement, and now all of a sudden they're all in for Ben Roethlisberger going forward. Meanwhile, you're probably going to lose two of the best players in that in in their respective positions now are just going to walk and no one's really going to question why they just think that it's just it's just their egos talking and i think change of scenery is always a good it's always a good thing for any type of player i think him going to green bay is it's it's going to bring new life to him he's going to have something to prove he's going to be in a scenario in which every everything went wrong for green bay I think all the issues with Aaron Rodgers has is probably gone now with Mike McCarthy, and I think they're going to potentially, if that happens, they're going to get over it and make it work. All right. But, guys, I hate this time in February uh, after the NFL season's over because then we have, like, a whole dead month in NFL news between the Super Bowl ending and free agency starting. But we have been gifted in 2019 with a with a bunch of great news topics to talk about first with the joe flackwood trade with antonio brown being upset now we are getting to the third one that happened earlier this week monday actually uh it was reported that the, that the cleveland browns have agreed to terms to bring in kareem hunt on a one-year one million dollar prove it kind of contract into the organization and this is, this decision has been has met with Many mixed results. First off, that Kareem Hunt's investigation by the NFL into his domestic violence case uh, back in 2018 is still under investigation. The fact that uh, Hunt was released by the Chiefs in late November because of that allegation. John Dorsey is the former general manager that drafted Kareem Hunt. So many other factors that chime into this. But one factor, or one, one variable that I thought was very interesting on this piece is the tendency for the NFL to give second chances to players that have been accused of domestic violence and and just been arrested for abuse, but not give uh, second chances to players who have, in a word, uh, kicked out uh, for their political beliefs, a.k.a. Colin Kaepernick. So I want to get your guys' thoughts. What do you think about the signing of Kareem Hunt by the Cleveland Browns? Do you think that's hypocritical by the NFL, or is it just giving someone who's working on themselves a second chance. Um, yeah, I think me and Avery um, talked about this um, ever since basically the first episode of the Aerodon podcast. 
about how the hypocrisy of the NFL when it comes to holding certain standards for giving second chances when it comes to players and not really hold, not really having that standard in which, okay, this is where we stand, this is what we're going to tolerate, and this is where we draw the line. There is no line drawn. It's shown time and time again is that no matter what the offense is, it's for a Greg Hardy situation, for a Ruben Foster situation, and now for Kareem Hunt. Um, second chances are consistently given because in the end, the NFL bottom line is, can you do enough to win my to help me win, and can you do enough to not hurt my bottom line? Kareem Hunt was the um, NFL's leading rusher his rookie year, and he was fifth in the rushing before he was unceremonious released by uh, the Chiefs. In the end, he's still a 23-year-old running back. He still has plenty of power behind those legs, so obviously he's going to get a second chance. Ruben Foster is now in Washington, even after the multiple offenses, but he's still viewed as like, okay, we are able to control your fate and basically how, how we're going to handle the situation. And I just think that it's a lot easier for owners and teams and general managers to handle those situations is because you're able to tell them this is what you need to do and this is our bottom line as opposed to just even having a peaceful protest because it's freedom of exp- because it's freedom of expression. You're not able to tell the player how to accommodate, how to conduct themselves in those situations. All right, Avery, what do you think? Man, so many thoughts on this issue. So first of all, congratulations to Kareem Hunt. I I, I do believe that people deserve second chances. Um, I think it's a situation, again, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll continue to say it. We all make mistakes in our everyday lives because we're not high-profile athletes. Everything pushed under the rug nobody really sees. And so we get second, third, fourth, and fifth chances every single day. But it seems like um, if you're a high-profile athlete, People want to automatically write you off and tell you you don't have you don't deserve a second chance. So congratulations to him for you know getting that second chance. Um, you know to all reports he had checked himself into rehab. Now whether that was voluntary or um, you know a PR move, but he he checked himself into a anger management facility um, and he is keeping up with it. So again, congratulations to him. Um, however, again to Chris's like just going back to what Chris was saying, like the NFL. Again, we got to stop with thinking that the NFL is some standard of morality. They do not care. They don't. It's all about whether or not you can play and you can do something for my team. Like, as long as you don't kill anybody or talk about black issues, we're fine. And if you do, if you do kill anybody, well, that's out of our hands. If you do talk about black issues, then it's a situation where we're going to make your life. There's an exception to that when Ray Lewis was on trial for murder in 2000. Uh, He still stayed, though. It, it was he was acquitted. I'm talking about I'm talking about if you're obviously you know convicted of murder. I'm just saying. But if you're acquitted, then obviously. Uh, what about Dante Stallworth? Did he do manslaughter? We're talking about we're talking about manslaughter versus murder. There's there's a difference. Yeah, right. So um, again, you know, again, specific words here. Um, murder. We're talking about murder. Um, so and so for me, it's just like my situ- my, my my thinking about that is just like. You know, and if, like I said, as I was saying, if if you do talk about the black issue, we're going to make your life, you know, crap while you're here. You know, case in point, Eric Reed getting, what was it, seven drug tests throughout the course of the year, a random drug test, 
I mean, that's more than almost that's more than any player in the league. So for me, obviously, it's not random. It's uh, he's getting he was getting penalized at a higher rate than almost any other safety in the league. Um, I he think it's just a like he was, he was rewarded with a three-year contract, though. Like, he, despite the social issues that he took stand and being outspoken, he was still because, rewarded with like a three-year contract. Because, like I said, it is a situation where it's like, if you can still play, we'll deal with this. Like, we, a morality goes out the window. If you can still play, we'll we'll deal with this. So you look at a situation like Ray Rice. I'm not comparing Ray Rice to Kareem Hunt because they were two separate situations. Number one, number two, one was egregious. Obviously, we saw Ray Rice knock this girl out. She still married him, but, you know, that's between them. Um, and the other thing is he was on, uh, on a decline, per se, in his career. And then, as well as Colin Kaepernick, by all accounts, coaches were saying, oh, he's not good enough to get us to the next level. So it's a situation where people didn't feel they were good enough to continue playing in the league. People feel that Kareem Hunt and felt that Greg Hardy and felt that you know, Ray Lewis or whoever you want to, were still good enough to play in the league. So that's the reason they got second chances. So to me, like I said, I, I would hesitate and I would tell people all the time, stop looking at the NFL as a standard or morality. Do not care. There's reports that, you know, like everybody was talking about how they were planning to defund breast cancer awareness month promotions and funding, you know, social issues such as, you know, uh, police brutality in the black community. And, He's like, no, don't do that. Both of them should be funny. Both of them should be talked about. Both of them should have a platform to, to um, you know, be exposed. But, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, I look at them as what they are. They are an entertainment company that wants to put entertainment out on the field. And they're not concerned about political, social, or economic issues. The only thing they're worried about is their posture. I want to end this topic with a personal note on my end. Uh, being a graduate from Rutgers University and seeing and coming into my freshman year, seeing uh, uh, Ray Rice in the news about you know what happened in that elevator and the aftermath that came after it, you can't imagine the kind of shame that that brings to to the campus, especially to the students and alumni that are very proud of you know said college. Uh, we had to take down banners and pictures of Rice all over all, all over. Jerseys were taken from the stores. Uh, we even had a, a, a banner that had pictures of every single current player in the NFL. And at that time, Rice was the centerpiece. We had to take that down and replace it with Devin McCourty. So I can't imagine what it's like for people like from Toledo, where Kareem Hunt went to college. Like, he didn't maybe establish as much of a legacy in college as Rice did, but you can still imagine the shame that comes with knowing that you had this guy come to your university and you had this guy... Uh, you know, wear your uniform. So, I, in a sense, I'm trying to say is like, I, I kind of sympathize more for the fans that were for Kareem Hunt in terms of like, you know, they used to cheer him on and they used to really support him being a third round pick and making it as the lead rusher as, as a rookie. And now they just feel like kind of dejected and can't support it anymore. Avery? Real quick, I, it's funny. Like, I, I agree with what you're saying, but what about the casual student who's beating his girlfriend right now and he's not the face of you know the the football team and he's not he didn't make it to the nfl he was just there for an account an accounting degree what about the guy or you know who's you know whatever you know cheating on you know whatever in the university like i said i think it's a situation where because these guys have bigger names because these guys have a bigger school 
it's something where we where we we come down harsher on them, forgetting that they are human, forgetting that they are young, forgetting that they make mistakes just like the rest of us do on a daily basis. So to me, like like I said, I agree with where you're coming from, and it definitely is a shame for those fans, for the people who rooted for them. But at the same time, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, he's a human. Like let's let's get back to humanity. Ray Rice was uh, 28 at the time of the incident. Yeah, so uh, borderline, borderline still in his prime, but not enough to make it onto a full roster. Whew, what a what a hard note to end on. I gotta say for my first episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, I gotta say, uh, really, uh, really, really enjoyed my time talking to you guys about this kind of stuff. We will be back with another episode of, of the Air It Out podcast. Remember, you can listen to the Air It Out podcast. On SoundCloud, this episode will be number 37 in the list. You can check us out on our Facebook group, Inside the Hashes, our Twitter, at Inside Hashes, and our Instagram handle, at Inside the Hashes. And be sure to check out our website, InsideTheHashes.com, for all your football-related news, podcasts, and videos. Logging out, I'm Juan Barine, joined by Avery Collins, Chris Thomas, and Jerome Jones. Good night, everybody. Good night.